Well, good morning. Thanks for sharing with us. You know, the devil wants you to feel or think that you've failed or missed out if you're not experiencing the good life now. We've probably all said these words. If I was to ask you, have you said these words, I'm sure you'll put up your hand. There's no rest for the wicked. And of course, that refers to the fact that our work is never completed. There's always something more that needs to be done. But the term originally came from Isaiah 48 verse 22 and Isaiah 48 verse 22 says peace is not to wicked men. Peace is not to wicked men. The reference was that those who were not righteous would not enter eternal rest. Eternal rest is not for wicked men. And so the devil tells us that if you're not experiencing life in all of its fullness now, life and you're not experiencing a life of rest, then you must be wicked. That you're not a good enough Christian, that you somehow or other you don't have enough faith. He wants to squash you, he wants you to feel like you've failed or that you're missing out on what should be yours now. You should have rest now and some churches preach that we should all be experiencing heaven on earth as a christian some churches preach that the the church should be able to bring the kingdom of heaven in all of its fullness into our earthly experience in the here and now that we should have peace on earth that god's will should be done here on earth as it is in heaven and that needs to happen prior to Jesus return if that's what we expect then we can become very quickly become very cynical of the church and think that somehow we've missed out on our eternal rest we therefore question whether we'll even get to heaven Last week's passage was very much a warning against unbelief. And today we're reminded of the the consequences of not heeding that warning against unbelief. The writer of Hebrews sought to remind his readers of the result of the lack of faith, lack of unbelief, or the, not the lack of unbelief, but unbelief in God to their ancestors as they came out of Egypt that that generation did not enter the promised land nor into their rest. And just as the Lord led the Hebrew people, he leads us out of our spiritual Egypt. Yet we all face difficult days. We all face unmet hopes and dreams. We all have trials, tests, challenges to face. We hope for comfort and ease and we look for excitement in the next thing and yet we all suffer disappointment as we trudge through this desert or we face our storms because Jesus did say, you will have trouble. You will have trouble. Again, the devil wants you to lose faith to slip into unbelief. 
But praise God, Jesus is with us. And we can spend quality time and productive and fruitful time with him as we take our Sabbath rests. But our passage today is not speaking of the the one day of rest that we're encouraged to take each week, but of our eternal rest that is yet to come. For those who stand firm in their faith, there is an eternal rest that is yet to come. Rest is not something that we should necessarily expect in this life. Again, Jesus said, you will have trouble. But we can rest in the presence of the Lord as we face our daily battles and struggles, you know, battles with the evil one, and struggles with our sick world, struggles with ill health, struggle with relationships, struggles and battles in all kinds of ways. And so we're going to have a look at our passage this morning and we'll see that some to whom the writer is, is writing were not able to enter their rest because of their lack of faith in God. So Hebrews chapter 4, at this point the first five verses. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, the promise of entering his rest, still stands. Let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have heard, sorry, we have also had the good news proclaimed to us just as they did, but the message they heard was of no value to them because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. Now we who have believed enter that rest, just as God has said. So I declared on oath, in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. And yet his works have been finished, God's works have been finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken, when he says for somewhere, he's, he's doing what we often do. He'll quote the Bible, he'll quote scripture, but he's not sure where it's coming from. And he doesn't have the Bible in his hand. The Bible was still in all of those, those scrolls. But he says, for somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words. On the seventh day, God rested from all his works. And again, in the passage above, he says, they shall never enter my rest. Some of the people to whom the author writes were questioning God's rest. They were, they were being persecuted. Life was tough. They were under the Roman Empire. They were under domination. And they may have been told that now as Christians, life should be good. Because Jesus, hadn't Jesus said, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest? So was this just a furphy? The writer was at pains to point out that the promise of entering God's rest still stands. It still stands, but its fulfilment will be in eternity. So don't think for a moment that because your life is tough that you've missed out. Yet You've missed out on God's wonderful plan for your life. You can be confident that you are, right now, on the way 
to a glorious rest in God's presence. A glorious future that God has for you in eternity. For the Hebrew people in Moses' day, they'd heard the good news of the promised land, but they couldn't enter it. They didn't enter it. Why? Because they didn't believe it. They didn't share the faith of those who obeyed. They weren't obeying and being faithful to the Lord. They didn't place their faith in God to provide, to protect, to lead them into the promised land. They complained and complained and complained and came up with other reasons why they were disgruntled. Belief and obedience then go hand in hand. Belief and obedience go hand in hand. For the Hebrew people in Moses' day, they heard the good news of the promised land. They understood it. But they couldn't enter it. Why? Because they didn't believe it. They didn't believe God. They didn't place their faith in God to provide, protect and lead them into it. Verse 3 says, We who have believed will enter that rest. We who believe and obey will enter that rest. The writer says that God's works were finished at the completion of creation. He finished his works at, the, at uh, the completion of creation, God rested on the seventh day. But for unbelieving Israel, they could find no rest because they refused to follow and to obey God. However, the promise of entering that rest still stands, still stands today. It is yet to come, as the writer quotes from Psalm 95. And you'll see that in verses 3, 5 and 7. He's quoting from Psalm 95 to point this out. They will not enter my rest. However, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. And so the inference is that you will enter my rest, the rest of the Lord. You will enter his rest If when you hear his voice, you don't harden your heart and you respond in love and obedience. You see, if you truly believe something, then you live by it. Your faith and your actions go hand in hand. James said, faith without actions is dead. Faith and actions go hand in hand. Faith and obedience. To say that you believe in Jesus as your saviour requires a lifestyle that supports that belief. Those who did not enter the promised land did not combine their so-called faith or belief in God with a practical faith. Their obedience and their trust, in spite of their circumstances, was missing. So this doesn't require a faultless faith for us, for we all fall from time to time, but God looks upon the heart. God looks upon the heart and he sees the true desires of our heart. He knows how much we love him and and how much we, we do earnestly seek to be faithful to him in the way that we live. 
But if we profess to have faith in him, yet live without any desire to obey him or glorify him, we just want to live selfishly and just for our own comfort and pleasure, then we're at great risk of never entering our eternal rest. Depart from me, for I never knew you. Without obedience, without putting meat on the bones, without living it out, appropriating it, what we believe. I trust that none of us here will hear those words, depart from me, for I never knew you. Verses 8 to 11 then summarise the previous seven verses. And the writer concludes, For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God, for anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. So put simply, when we pass from this temporal life into eternity, then we will rest from our labours and our struggles, our infirmities and our trials, if we have sought to love the Lord our God with all of our heart and soul and mind, living in obedience out of love for him, if we have sought to do that, if we have tried to do that, if that's been our heart's desire. Verse 11. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. Again, when, when Joshua led the, the Hebrew people into the promised land, they expected to walk into a promised land of rest. This was the promised land. This was the land of milk and honey and freedom. They expected to find rest from the hardships of the desert, from their enemies. Yet the moment that they walked into the promised land, they had to set to work. Building homes, setting up farms, they had to conquer the land, they had to conquer their neighbours. It was soon after Joshua's death that their enemies attacked again and again and again. Later, Assyria and then Babylon destroyed their cities and they carried them away into captivity. And at the time of this writing, the writer is writing this book of Hebrews, Rome was oppressing the Jewish people. They were under Roman authority. There was never been any rest in the promised land. Even to this day. But neither has there been any rest anywhere else in our world. 
There's never been perfect, eternal, beautiful rest on this earth. Now, you've probably all heard those kind of stories of somebody who has done far more than they had planned to do. In 2016, a 12-year-old girl accidentally ran a half marathon, that is 21-kilometre run, a marathon, half marathon, in New York. Lee Rodriguez Esparta, she signed up for a 5K run and she was worried that she might be late, late getting to the starting line and so she got there 15 minutes early whilst mum is parking the car. There was a group of people already there, so she set off with them and started running. After some time, expecting the finish line to appear, she, she asked another runner, how much further? Only to find out that she was in a half marathon group, 21 k's, not 5 k's. However, instead of dropping out, she decided to keep running. Now, think about mum. She's parked the car. She's lost track of her daughter, who cannot be found anywhere near the starting line prior to the 5K run set-off time. Well, mum, along with the police, searched for her daughter for almost two hours. It was only after she had finished the race that a mother found her with a medal around her neck. She finished the race in two hours, 43 minutes, and out of 2,100 runners, she placed 1,885th. And so she'd beaten nearly, nearly 300 other runners. But I wonder... Does your race seem longer and more difficult than you thought it should be? Maybe for you at the moment, this isn't the race that you thought you'd signed up for. Because you're not experiencing the rest that you thought that you should be. Is this race more difficult for you than you thought you'd signed up for? Even so, don't quit. Don't quit. Don't stop running. Because a glorious rest awaits. A glorious rest awaits. And so we see that entering into rest comes through obedience and perseverance. Keep forging on. Stand firm. Don't give up. Keep running. Keep placing yourself in a position to hear God's voice. And this is precisely why the writer of Hebrews now says what he says in verses 12 to 13. For the word of God is alive and active 
Sharper than any double-edged sword, it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid before, laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. You see, God uses his word to penetrate into our hearts to help prevent unbelief and to help promote perseverance. To prevent unbelief and promote perseverance. And for me, I consider that the written word of God has the same power as his spoken word. So in the beginning, God spoke. It happened. It was so. And it was good. God still speaks through his word today, through his written word, the Bible, and the results are always for good, always for our good. God's word is alive and active, it is sharp as, it penetrates to the core of our being, it slices to the heart of the the matter, and God knows what's in your heart. Nothing is hidden from his sight, and his desire is for good. For your good. And he uses his word to prevent unbelief and to promote perseverance. He's not seeking to judge us in order to condemn us, but rather to encourage us, to assist us, to mature us, so that none should perish. He does all that he can to help and assist us to save us. So open his book and ask God to reveal to you what's really going on inside in your heart. What motivates you? Why why do you do what you do? Why are your attitudes the way they are? Let his word speak to you. Let his spirit speak to you through his word. There is great power in God's word. Only if we activate it. We have to activate it. We have to use it. We have to read it. We have to spend time with God in his word. Samuel Chadwick put it so eloquently. He said, I've guided my life by the Bible for more than 60 years, and I tell you, there is no book like it. It's a miracle of literature, a perennial spring of wisdom, a wonder of surprises, a revelation of mystery, an infallible guide of conduct, and an unspeakable source of comfort. Such is God's word. He says, pay no attention to people who discredit it, for I tell you that they speak without knowledge. You're ignorant of of God's word. It is the infallible word of God itself. Study it according to its own direction. Live by its principles. Believe its message. Follow its precepts. No one is educated. No man is educated who knows the Bible. Sorry, no man is uneducated who knows the Bible. But no one is wise who is ignorant of its teachings. No one is wise if they're ignorant of God's teaching, God's word. And so although we await a perfect rest, 
we can rest here and now. We can taste the wonder of our eternal rest already as we rest in the presence of our loving Father. For those who wait on the Lord, they shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and they won't be weary. They shall walk and they won't be faint. Jesus did say, come to me and I will give you rest. We can experience rest in this life. As we spend time with God in his word, as we trust ourselves into his hands, Paul tells us that the peace of God that transcends all understanding will be ours as we trust every situation into his hands with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. So let us rest. Let us rest in the presence of our Father. Rest in prayer. Rest in the power of his word, in his glorious word as we spend time with him. For he's able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. You know, since the fall, since the, the fall, life was never meant to be easy. Life is never meant to be easy. But we can rest in peace and in joy, in confidence, because every day is a good day when you're walking with the Lord. Every day is a good day when you're walking with your Father. Amen? Amen.